You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Without being too cavalier, the answer is kind of get over it, right? I mean, you, that opportunity that happened in March, if, if you're like me, I'm, I'm also telling myself this, you know, we missed it. And if you still believe that the markets have to melt down, and that there's going to be another opportunity, fine, don't swing. I'm saying I'm no longer willing to wait for that. If you're if you're waiting, if you're absolutely convinced that there's going to be another March type waterfall event in the near term, not later, well, sure, fine, wait. I'm not convinced of that. I am willing to bet now. But here's the thing. I'm not willing to bet on something that can be destroyed if there is another meltdown. I'm looking for companies that are cashed up, that have winning projects, Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I am your host, Bill Powers. Well, in today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Lobo Tigre of IndependentSpeculator.com. But first, I'd like to thank Lumina Gold Corp for sponsoring today's show. Lumina is a Ross Beatty supported company as Ross owns about one out of every five shares of Lumina Gold. Lumina is advancing the 13th largest undeveloped gold deposit in the world and the largest primary gold deposit in Ecuador. Its Congrejos Gold Development Project contains almost 17 million ounces of gold in the indicated and inferred categories and has substantial copper byproduct credits. To learn more, go to luminagold.com and you can find the company under the ticker LUM in Toronto and under LMGDF in New York. So Lobo, thank you for joining me again. And as we saw that just steep, really nerve-wracking for those of us that follow the resource sector closely, a sell-off in mid-March. And as I was observing your work and what you were publicly sharing with the market, how you were navigating it and what your expectations were, you had a lot of cash on the sidelines. But now as we see the gold and silver stocks continue to roar higher, have you reevaluated your expectation that there might be another sell-off? And how are you managing this? Sure, Bill. Well, one, thanks for having me back on the show. It's good to share again with your audience. And I really like uh, your your educational um, bent on this. It's, it's not just what have you done for me late me, it's what can we learn from what's going on. And I think the way you frame this question fits with that perfectly. So I'm, I'm very happy to be here and share if I can. And this, this whole situation, if you won't mind me taking a little bit of a detour down memory lane, it reminds me of something that uh, Doug Casey and David Glenn taught me early on when I, when I first started learning from them at Casey Research. Boy, 16 years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they used to tell me, um, you know, Doug has this famous saying, you can't kiss all the girls. And they had another way of putting things in that it was that uh, su- speculation, successful speculation is a disciplined affair. And it's like playing a baseball game where they don't call any strikes. And by that, they mean you can stand there at home plate with your bat in hand, ready to go. Your bat is your cash, of course. Um and you don't swing unless you see the perfect pitch, unless it, you know, you don't have to go after a crazy curveball. You don't have to go after one that's so low, you really need a golf club. Uh, you know, you wait for something that looks just right, and then you, you know, you give it your best to slam it home. And in a regular baseball game, you only, if, if, if you don't swing three times and it's within the zone, then you, you're out. But in speculation, it's your money. You decide when you're out. So you can wait and not swing and not swing as much as you want until the perfect pitch comes across the plate. Um, it's, 
it's it's sort of intuitive. It's sort of easy. I mean, it's not rocket science. I'm probably not telling most of the people in your audience anything they don't really know already. But it's one thing to know this. It's another. It's to, or or to think that you have this concept. It's another thing to actually put it into practice. You know, especially if you see a ball that looks really good, or the bases are loaded. Right? You you really want to slam one home, and so you take a chance on a ball that's really maybe not quite so good. Uh, and that's how we make mistakes, and that's how you know we lose money. You swing, you deploy that cash, it doesn't work out, and you lose money. So what I want to say about all this is that Doug and David and Rick and all my mentors over the years, they've taught me a method. They've taught me a system. They've taught me how to identify stocks that have a better than the average bear chance of delivering. You know, that doesn't mean that any of them or me knows exactly what's going to happen in the marketplace. It, it doesn't mean that any of us are always right. It doesn't mean we won't miss one of those beautiful girls we didn't get to kiss. It means that we have a method that delivers over time if you're disciplined enough to wait at home plate and only swing when that perfect pitch comes over. So the relevance of that fundamental lesson to the markets today is here we are in March. Markets are selling off. And in some ways, we had seen this thing before, right? In 2008, we saw gold selling off in the midst of a big crisis. And people were saying, oh, what's wrong? Gold's supposed to go up. It's a safe haven asset. And our more experienced uh, friends, they all said, you know, we've seen this before. It happens. There's a liquidity crunch. People sell whatever they can. Gold is just doing its job. And they were right. And even before the end of 2008, you know, gold pulled off that V-shaped bottom and came screaming back, finished the year up, and the gold stocks took off before anything else did in 2009. So in this time around, having that experience under my belt, you know, I saw the sell-off in March, and I wasn't worried about gold going down. That looked like a buying opportunity. But here, here's the lesson, right? Here's the learning from what you're asking about. You know, I, I looked at all the terrible things going on. I looked at all this focus on, on the coronavirus. You know, the COVID-19 is causing this. COVID-19 is causing that. But it, it wasn't the coronavirus that was doing the economic harm. It was the government shutdowns. It was the response to the coronavirus. Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to make medical metaphors, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say that there was all this bad news that we could then see was coming. You know, it was obvious that there was there was more very, very, very grim news baked in the cake. And sure, the stock market dropped significantly, but it didn't go anywhere near as low as one would think for the depression scale destruction of, of economic values that we are now seeing. You know, the, this bad news that we saw coming, we were wrong. We saw it coming. Um, but the stock market didn't seem to have priced it in. And then it started recovering. <laughs> um, so here's here's the crux. Right? I, I, many people, myself included, thought just there's no way that Wall Street can rebound so crazily while Main Street keeps sinking lower and lower. These companies on Wall Street, they sell products or services to the people on Main Street. If airplanes can't fill airplane seats with those guys on Main Street, they're out of business. And so on and so on and across many, many industries. And so it just seemed so sure that there must be more, uh, frankly, just hell to pay on Wall Street. And there had to be another leg down on the markets. And so many of us thought so. I thought so. And I prepared for that. I built up a big cash position waiting for this next meltdown. So that's me at the plate, right? I've <laughs> got a big bat. Maybe i got three big bats. I'm ready to go. Um, 
and the pitch never comes and it never comes and it never comes. And the market turned around and the gold stocks turned around. And if I had not waited, but swung, if I had deployed when the meltdown was in or even after the meltdown and things started coming up, I would have made a lot of money on those things. Uh, many of the gold stocks have doubled since their March lows. Many of the uranium stocks have tripled since their March lows. It is clearly a big opportunity there. And frankly, I missed it. So I'm not making excuses. I am saying, though, that this is par for the course. If you go swinging, like imagine if if I had succumbed to FOMO and decided, oh, these are they're getting away from me. I'm going to swing. And then I was right. And the market did melt down. Right. Nobody knows how these things are going to happen in advance. Uh, all the evidence suggested that it would get worse. And if I had succumbed to FOMO and it had gotten worse, not only would I lose money, I'd also lose self-respect because I would have I would have made a move that I really didn't want to do. And then I lost money on it. That would have been 10 times worse. Whereas what I did do was I missed an opportunity. I didn't make money. But you know what? I didn't lose money either. I still have that cash in the bank. Having cash in the bank is much better than having a crater in my account where the cash used to be. And if um, the danger is behind us and if the markets are off to happy, happy land, um, I still have that cash and I still have plenty of time. You know, whatever happens on Wall Street next, all that we've seen uh, is clearly very bullish uh, for gold and silver. And I have cash to deploy and that will be a multi-year bull market. Uh, whether the bottom is in front of us or behind us, I still have that cash to deploy. So there's the lesson. If you're sitting there at home plate waiting to swing, don't feel bad. If you've missed opportunities, don't feel bad. Missing an opportunity is much better than losing money. And you still have that money to deploy. Thank you for that advice, Lobo. What do you do when you make a bad trade? I made a bad trade recently in the last month. I didn't really have enough knowledge to make that trade effectively, which I can look back and diagnose. And then uh, it felt not good losing as much as I lost. And then I had a go confess to my wife and tell her what I lost, which wasn't fun either. So I decided I would just pick myself up, forget about it, and focus on a new opportunity, a new day. How do you manage when you make a bad trade? What do you do there? Sure. Well, I'm pretty famous as an X-Man. I'm, I'm merciless when a trade doesn't work out. And but, it, but let's stop here and take a moment and consider what it means to have a bad trade. And a bad trade is not necessarily one I'm underwater on it. Whether the price has gone up or down isn't the primary consideration. It's did the speculation work out? Did the company deliver what it said it was going to or did it fail? Or did it deliver and not matter, right? If, if um, say it was a zinc play that I bet on and the company did make the discovery, but zinc prices went down the toilet, you know, my, my basis for speculation maybe wasn't wrong, uh, but the trade is, is done. It didn't work out. Right. So and, if, and it looks like Zane's going to be down for a while and I've got better things to do with money. I, you know, the axe falls and I move on, as you say. Uh, but just because the price is down, I'll tell you right now, you know, I have a I have a pretty good track record. Anybody can look at the public track record on my website, independentspeculator.com. There's a link at the bottom, I think maybe in the nav bar at the top, too, for track record. You can see all my closed trades. And the reason why there's so many positive ones, it's not that none of them never go negative. It's that just the fact that the price is down is not necessarily the end of the trade. It doesn't mean the trade went down. So right now, I have some uranium trades that are underwater. It's significantly underwater for me. But none of those companies are down and out. 
none of those companies are out of cash. None of them have been uh, failing on the ground and delivering anything they're supposed to deliver. It's just that uranium prices didn't cooperate, uh, particularly after all the uh, delays in the Section 232 thing, which we don't need to get into uh, unless you want to. But there were specific reasons why uh, uranium disappointed investors for some time, some years. Um, but now that's turned around and uranium has really done well. It's actually the best performing metal this year. As excited as people are about gold and uh, today, as you and I speak, silver rallied significantly. Uh, but the best performing metal is actually uranium. Um, and my, my uranium stocks are coming back. So if I had said, oh, these trades didn't work because the share prices were down, I would have realized massive losses on these stocks that there was nothing wrong with the companies. Now those stocks are all way up. You know, several of them are up 300% from the March lows. That hasn't quite put me in the black yet because I bought them two years ago. Um, but they're headed in the right direction and so is uranium. So I guess I'm giving you two answers. One is don't confuse uh, an adverse price situation with a trade that didn't work out. And if your trade, if your basis for speculation is intact, there's no reason to be in a hurry to take any losses. So that's answer number one. Answer number two is if the reason for owning it, right, you know, they're going to drill this and it just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Or it's in a commodity that you no longer have faith in. Or, you know, some other thing, you know, government, adverse government action, they seize, they nationalize the mine or they discovered an endangered mosquito on your, on your moose pasture and now you can't explore. You know, if speculation fails, be merciless. And, and by the way, be quick, too. If you, if you miss it at first, sell on the dead cat bounce, but don't hold on to that hoping for a better day because there's always more people that will do that and then they will capitulate later. And it's very, very common for there to be a, a sharp drop on the bad news, a bit of a dead cat bounce, and then it just kind of goes lower for months or years until there's new management, new project, new changes or whatever. I agree. Uh, when it comes to equities, you can have that luxury of holding. Sometimes if you're using options, call options or put options, they're like a ticking time bomb. So you kind of yeah. have to decide, am I just going to cut my losses here or am I going to stick it out another month to see what happens? Uh, do you ever trade options? Um, I have actually not done it personally. We did it in the portfolio back in my Casey days, particularly during the years where gold was in a bear market. It was uh, trading options on the rallies when it seemed to have gone too far one way or the other. Uh, trading options was a good way to make some money while sort of waiting for the thing to get going again. Uh, but yes, and, and people often write in to me. Uh, in fact, on this market meltdown question that we had, some of my readers, astute readers, said, well, if you think the market's going lower, but you're not sure, you could try some puts. And that way you may end up owning the shares if you get right. And if not, you know, your risk is pretty small. It's, it's actually a very intelligent way to play uh, that kind of uncertainty. I, I get it. Uh, but most of my readers about options. And I understand it because with the options, as you just said, it's not enough to be right in the direction or, or thinking about what's likely to go or, or where it's undervalued or any of these things. It's not enough just to be right. You have to get the time ever limit. And you can buy a very long option, but usually those aren't very cheap. You know, a more a more useful time frame is usually more expensive. So it's it's um, it's just something for people who know what they're doing. You're very bullish on gold, silver, and uranium, as am I. But are there any ignored commodities or metals uh, that you're focusing on right now that maybe people aren't looking at? I would argue that uranium still is ignored. It, it has to be one of the most hated minerals on the earth. It's a good thing it has no feelings. Uh, <laughs> it has, <laughs> you know, it has rebounded. But most people, their reaction is uranium. Are you crazy? 
right? You know, everybody hates uranium. You know, Greta is going to take the whole world down to windmills and solar panels. And, you know, why even talk about this radioactive toxic thing? Uh, to which the quick answer is because we need it. <laughs> and even if Greta succeeds, it won't be for decades. And we need the lights to come on in the meantime. And we can't mine it anywhere near current prices. So I would argue, actually, that uranium is still a contrarian play. It's made a few headlines lately because it's increased so much from roughly 24 to 34 bucks an ounce on this rally. Um, it's given back another dollar. But still, you know, that's a really big move. Uh, and so I, I think and it's potentially going much, much higher if I'm right about it. So still undervalued there in terms of other metals and minerals. The one that's actually sort of catching my attention is actually the oil patch. And I've been out of the oil patch for a long time, but it it's becoming the new uranium, if you will. <laughs> Greta hates it also, and we still need it. You know, even if if uh, the environmentalist dreams come true and we go totally renewable, that will take decades to happen. We still need oil. Uh, the current prices don't work for anybody. Um, but it is, it is definitely a, a minefield, and it's one that I think it's – it's dangerous to just say, oh, I'm going to go long oil uh, because prices can remain below cost of production for ridiculous lengths of time. Uh, we, we've seen that in the uranium space. These big oil producers, you know, they, you know, they still need to make money. And <laughs> even if it's a little money, you know, you've got a, a government running an oil company and that oil company is a, a source of jobs, be a source of cash flow. And you you can cut off your nose to spite your face just because you feel like you have no choice. So it, it's a tricky area. I just did a, an interview with Rick Rule, and so I want to give credit to Rick on this idea. His his idea wasn't to just buy oil stocks, or at least not now. His idea was to watch for this debacle in the oil space to become a credit crisis, specifically for the oil guys. A lot of these companies are going to default on their credit. And you can't bail everybody out. So there could be some spectacular assets going on sale when companies bankrupt or, or go into mergers. And, and a lot of activity in the space could create opportunities for the patient. This is one where you want to wait at the bait with your bat. Not, I wouldn't start swinging now. But look with the eyes of a loan shark at what happens when things start breaking in this sector. And there could be some terrific opportunities there. There's opportunities, but do you feel that it's harder to be an analyst in this current environment with the Federal Reserve doing what they're doing and all this volatility we've seen the last few months? Oh, absolutely. And I don't. I wouldn't just say that for the oil patch. I'd say that for anything. That we are. It's become cliche to say, "Oh, we're in uncharted waters." You, you even hear the the talking heads on mainstream financial media saying, "Oh, yeah, we're in uncharted waters." And then they proceed to show their chart or have this guy on saying, well, this is what's going to happen. No, no, this is what I predict. And so, mm -hmm. so you have all these guys uh, captaining their ships with no charts telling you where they're going. And I think that's uh, – don't get me started because I, I have a thing about people making these crazy predictions. You know, you put your money in there and if five years from now they're wrong, they've already got your money and where are you? Uh, so – so, yeah, I'm ranting. Sorry. My response to the question is, as an analyst, it's very, very difficult. And um, I would I would posit a rule here. And I started with Rick Rule saying um, I, I don't I always he Rick would say I often confuse the inevitable with the imminent. Right. And I would see that something was inevitable, like these opportunities in the oil space we talked about. But that doesn't mean they're imminent. 
And if you deploy too early, you can be wrong. So I've gone one farther than Rick on that. He says he doesn't want inevitable, he wants imminent. I say forget inevitable or imminent. I want happening now. And I'm, I'm quite content to pay a bit more for a trend that's visibly in motion and adding value now than trying to predict the trend before it unfolds, if you understand what I mean. Absolutely. On that note, do you see technical confirmation in the GDX and GDXJ that we are going to be powering higher now in the precious metal stocks? No, I'm a fundamentalist. So I, I, I like looking at the charts and I like it when the technicals uh, coincide with my fundamental perspective. But so I, I wouldn't buy based on a QEQ or something like that. I'm just looking at the Fred, sorry, the Fed, and it keeps continuing to inject liquidity into the markets and into the economy. And you've got the Congress, which is rushing to uh, just dump more gasoline on the uh, fiscal policy liquidity side. I mean, this is a this is a phenomenal fundamental train. And this has got unstoppable momentum. I'm I'm almost willing to say, and that's extremely bullish. So. I'm not looking for a trigger here. I'm not looking for the, you know, gold to rise above this or silver to do that or, or some flag and pennant pattern or, or whatever. I, I'm not a TA guy, so I don't know whether a flag and pennant pattern is a good or a bad thing. But what I'm saying is I'm willing, you know, now that now that I'm not waiting for the next meltdown, I'm willing to deploy into something that's clearly got legs. You know, it's going. The fundamentals are on its side. This is a company that's building its mind or it has a discovery and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I call that a success in progress play. I like, I like the pre-production sweet spot. You and I have talked about that. There's a free report on my website uh, for anybody that doesn't follow that, doesn't follow the logic of that. Absolutely free download um, at independentspeculator.com. Um, and success in progress, which is to say, uh, I'm not gambling before the discovery gets made, but I'm looking at something, the discovery's been made. Okay, I didn't get in cheap and early. But my risk is so much lower because these guys are just hitting home run after home run. So what type of opportunities in the gold sector would you look for if you're going to be deploying more cash now? You, I, you know, someone that has FOMO, they're going to say the stock moved. So they're going to look like eliminate all the stocks that have moved 100, 150 percent off the mid-March bottom. And then they might get into lower quality stocks. But that's might maybe where they would restrict themselves to, you know, jumping in because oh, this one has yet to move. What would you say to somebody with that perspective? I, I wouldn't call that FOMO. FOMO makes you buy, not resist buy. You you fear missing out, so you pay more than you should. You re, you disregard that it's gone up so much because you're afraid of missing out. Um, but but to answer the question about that situation, I I just I wouldn't look at the March lows. I'd look at the sort of. Mm, if, if you look at the longer term chart and you look at where it is post March meltdown and you look at what value has the company added and then also consider how much how much does the higher share price, if it is higher than March, how much is it justified by higher metals prices? So if you've got a company that's delivered terrific drill results before the COVID shutdowns and gold is higher, the fact that it's high, the share price is higher now than it was in March. That's actually reasonable. That, that's not a reason to say, oh, I'm not buying that. It's too much. It's not the same story that it was before. It's not the same market context that it was before. Now, that doesn't mean I'll just say, oh, hey, I'm not worried about a meltdown anymore, so I'll pay whatever. I'm still looking for regular market volatility to be my friend here. I'm still looking to buy on down days for gold, not up days for gold, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I should have articulated that question a little better, but it's based on some emails that I've received 
where people are looking to get closer in on the bottom floor of an upward move. And just like the higher cost producers don't move first, they move a little later. I guess that's what I was trying to articulate, you know. But what I was getting at is that if you feel like you missed that move, perhaps you could make a bad investment decision if you only relegate yourself to investing in stocks right. that haven't yet moved. Yes, I would I would agree with that. Now, unless there's some overlooked gem or maybe, you know, there was a, a stranded asset and some junior that had blown out its share structure, couldn't raise money, couldn't explore, and somebody else comes along and acquires it with a premium management team with a track record of success and an ability to raise money. So now this asset can get the drilling that it, it always deserved but never got, you know, the, there's the market isn't static it's always changing so there could be overlooked gems out there and i'm certainly doing my best to to beat the bushes to see what i can flush out along these lines but to go back to the previous thing i i still would answer that person i guess without being too cavalier the answer is kind of get over it right i mean <laughs> that opportunity that happened in march if if you're like me i'm i'm also telling myself this you know we missed it and if you still believe that the markets have to melt down and that there's going to be another opportunity, fine, don't swing. I'm saying I'm no longer willing to wait for that. I, I do think that the odds are that there will be another market meltdown, but it could be not for a while. We've seen uh, you know, the markets in general are quite willing to shrug off just horrific news. So it might be until after not just Q2, but after Q3. If Q3 disappoints, you know, a lot of people are expecting things to get better towards the end of this year. And if they don't, if the if it's not a V, it's not a U, but an L, whatever letter you want, right? You know, if people are then disappointed, we might get a meltdown later, you know, in Q4. But gold might be over $2,000 by then. So if you waited for that, you would you would miss out on a lot of opportunities. So what I'm saying is, if you're if you're waiting if you're absolutely convinced that there's going to be another March type waterfall event in the near term, not later, well, sure, fine, wait. I'm not convinced of that. I am willing to bet now. But here's the thing, I'm not willing to bet on something that can be destroyed if there is another meltdown. I'm looking for companies that are cashed up, that have winning projects. You know, I'm if if I take a chance on something rickety or or something subpar because it's still cheaper, as you were suggesting. I'm really exposing myself to a great deal of risk because they could get really hurt if there is another adverse turn in the markets, including for gold and gold stocks. Whereas if I buy you know, a, a terrific success in progress play or a terrific pre-production sweet spot play and the markets melt down again, you know, I'm wrong. I say, okay, I'm going to take these bets and boom, the markets melt down. I should have waited. You know what? It won't hurt me. Those companies will come out the other side. They'll be fine. Yes, I'll have a chance to average down. That's okay. But you know, since I don't know what's going to happen, I'd rather buy now and average down if there's another meltdown and lower my cost and then do even better. Um, because if I don't get that meltdown, then I win. Either, either way, I win, except if I don't play. Independentspeculator.com is your website. Is there anything new there that listeners should know about? Well, um, I'm not sure when what we covered last time we spoke. Uh, we do have two levels of service now. There's the Independent Speculator, which is my flagship newsletter that includes my portfolio where I'm putting my own money into stocks. Um, and it has alerts in between editions. It's it's the full, full enchilada there, all the bells and whistles into one service there. We also have... Uh, an introductory level service, which is kind of like consumer reports for resource investors called My Take, where I give my take on companies that are either in the news or that readers request. 
So that's not that's not my portfolio. It's it's broad instead of deep. And so far, it's about 240 companies. And that comes there's an for subscribers, there's an index that you can search by company or ticker or soon commodity type or, you know, producers, explorers, that sort of thing. So um, it's it can be a lot of help. Some some people don't like it. They want my portfolio. Fine. I have a product for that. But for people that know what they're doing and they would just like outside verification of uh, stocks they're considering or maybe thinking of selling, then my take is just what the doctor ordered. If you'd like to engage me, feel free to email me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. If you'd like to engage Lobo, go to independentspeculator.com and there is a contact tab right there at the top and you can reach out to Lobo. Lobo, I really appreciate your insights on uh, successful speculating in today's market. So thank you for coming on today's show. Thank you, Bill. Thank you again for being one of the educators out there. I think that's really valuable. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.